if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. We get started at six minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. That's an early start for us on AM 1420. The answer. It's Wednesday, the 30th and penultimate morning. I love that word of the month of December, and it's the penultimate day of the year 2020, the year of our Lord 2020. That means second to last, and I appreciate you being with us this morning. Coming up, we have a lot of important news to get to, and we're going to talk to Congressman Bill Johnson about the ongoing battle of the COVID stimulus payments uh, that could be arriving in your your bank account if you get direct deposit as early as today. However, it will only be the $600 variety because they have not yet agreed upon an expansion of that to $2,000, something President Trump wants, something that Chuck Schumer wants, something that Nancy Pelosi wants, something that AOC wants. Wait a minute. How can President Trump and all of those liberal Democrats want the same thing? They do. It's just that President Trump wants it combined with spending cuts on foreign aid to balance the ledger. And the liberal Democrats want all of that foreign aid and all of their pet projects funded, as well as the $2,000 payments to uh, the American people. So that's what the holdup is. Yes, we will talk about that with Congressman Johnson. And we'll also talk about the planned challenge of the Electoral College votes coming up on January 6th. Uh, there is a massive rally plan for Washington, D.C., and we're going to tell you all about that. Departing here from Northeast Ohio, there's a bus, uh, 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 caravan, if you will, that's going to be headed down there to Washington, D.C. They're calling it the Million MAGA March in order to challenge, uh, the Electoral College votes. The, uh, certification of those votes will happen on January 6th, and obviously there is a push for the vice president and for members of Congress to uh, uh, to challenge those electoral votes and to essentially say those votes cannot be relied upon because there are too many irregularities and uh, evidences of fraud in various states. So all of that will be on the docket. We'll talk to, uh, talk to uh, Congressman Bill Johnson at 9.35. But I want to start not with that news of the day, but I want to start with a six-year-old story. And the reason why is because there is this six-year-old story still in the news, and there shouldn't be. Headline today, and this was actually broken yesterday as the Department of Justice made an announcement 
um, that there would be no charges forthcoming for police officers in the shooting of Tamir Rice way back in 2014. I um, am so far past my breaking point on this issue. Ripping open that six-year-old scab or ripping that scab off just to alienate and anger and, you know, uh, raise the, the hackles, if you will, on social justice warriors on this issue again. In a summer or in a year in which the summer that we just completed and fall was filled with violence over the George Floyd death and this wokeness that somehow, some way, African Americans are targeted by police officers all across America and that African Americans are targeted by white privileged white people all across America, all of which is 1,000% garbage, statistically speaking and realistically speaking existence speaking it's all trash to now add to that in december hey remember six years ago when tamir rice was threatening people with a gun as far as anybody else knew and when the police were called on him for that and he reached into his waistband to pull that gun out he was shot and killed remember that Yeah, that was another example of white cops just looking to shoot black uh, suspects, particularly black children. That story, and we covered it every day that it was in the news and every from every possible angle. Investigations were done by Cleveland police. Investigations were done by the sheriff's department. Investigations were done by state authorities. Investigations now have been done by federal authorities from the Justice Department. All of them find the same thing. No criminal charges should be brought because the officers did what they had to do if they felt their lives were in danger. And in this situation, the reality was that is exactly what they felt. But now, six years later, revisionist history is taking over. The Associated Press headline, Officers Not Charged in Tamir Rice Case. Fine. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. The Justice Department, this is the AP again, the Justice Department announced Tuesday that it would not bring federal criminal charges against the two Cleveland police officers in the 2014 killing of 12-year-old Tamir Rice, saying video of the shooting was too poor of quality for prosecutors to conclusively establish what had happened. And I want to pause there and just say that first paragraph is trash. The video is not too poor of quality to establish what had happened. Everybody knows what has happened. It's not unclear video that shows Tamir Rice, who does not look like the little, innocent, skinny 12-year-old that that they put the picture out there, or actually looked like the 6-year-old that they put out there as his picture at the time. But he was 12 years old, about five foot eight, five foot seven, five foot eight, and about 190 pounds. Looked like a man. Reaching into his waistband, the video is clear enough for that. Let's continue in the Associated Press's revisionist article. In closing the case, the department 
brought to an end a long-running investigation into high-profile sh- a high-profile shooting that helped galvanize the Black Lives Matter movement and became part of the national dialogue about police use of force against minorities, including children. Let's stop there. There is no national movement or dialogue about police shooting or, or using a force against um, minority children. Because the numbers are so infinitesimally low, there would be no point to such a dialogue. So why are they being discussed? Why is there any conversation? Why is there any news coverage of such things? Because despite the fact that the number is so infinitesimally low, every time there is an involvement of something like this, it is blasted into the 24-7 news cycle by the mainstream media, which makes it look like it's happening all the time. And never mind the fact that in the vast majority of them, they were justified actions. It still is, it is still circulated by the media as being something that happens all the time and is unjustified. Because that's what the media does now. Back to the AP. The decision, revealed in a lengthy statement, does not condone the officer's actions, but rather says the cumulative evidence was not enough to support a federal criminal civil rights prosecution. May I again state the obvious? If there is no evidence to support a criminal prosecution, it most certainly does justify the officer's actions. The officers used lethal force. Either that was justified or it was not. And if the officers are not being charged, either by the city, the local officials, the the county officials, the state officials, or the federal authorities, as noted, then yes, the officers' Jacksons are officer officers' actions. Excuse me, are deemed to be justified. And now, paragraph three in this revisionist historical article today, ripping the scab off of the Tamir Rice wound. This is where it gets really good. And by good, I mean horrible. Quote, Tamir was playing with a pellet gun outside a recreation center in Cleveland on November 22nd, 2014, when he was shot and killed by Officer Timothy Lohman, who is white. Seconds after Lohman and his partner, Officer Frank Armback, arrived at the scene. All right, again, let's stop. In the image that they want to paint for you, Tamir Rice is playing around a maypole. La, 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 dancing around the maypole and having a good time. Playing with his toy gun, probably, you know, lime green shooting water bubbles. Right? You know, soap bubbles. Or maybe it's bright orange and shooting the, the Nerf darts. You ever have that? Did you ever have that one, the bright orange Nerf gun when you were a kid? that shot the little orange darts, no matter how much you tried, they wouldn't stick to anything. You tried to shoot it at the wall, and it would just bounce off. Hated that. But, yeah, he's just playing with his little toy gun. That's what they want you to see. When the reality of the situation is, and, again, I hate that we have to rehash all of this from six years ago, but here we are. This was a replica handgun that had an orange tip indicating that it shoots BBs or pellets and not real bullets that Tamir Rice chose to remove before he went to the recreation center to practice being a gangbanger. And that's exactly what he was doing in a park known 
in an area known for heavy gang activity. He went down to the rec center with his replica gun that you could not identify as being a pellet gun without that orange tip if you tried. And in fact, Cleveland police uh, have illustrated this by putting several guns on a table, including the replica guns, and said, pick the one that's the fake. And nobody could. Because this was not just playing with a toy. He was there practicing being a gangbanger pointing his gun at passing cars, freaking people out, pointing his gun at people who came by on foot, freaking people out, which is what led to the phone call to the police, which is what led to the police responding to an area that they knew to be heavy gang activity and somebody pointing a gun at other people and at cars, which had those police officers on high alert which had those police officers when they rolled up on Tamir Rice and said hands, and his hands, instead of going up, went to the waistband, which led to the response. But they want you to think he was playing with a little, clearly, you know, toy gun that no, that, that could never be mistaken for a real gun, despite the call from uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, bystander who was threatened and felt threatened by the gun. They want you to think he was just, ah, no, they just rolled up on a little kid and said, little kid with a toy gun, which is clearly a toy, let's shoot him because he's black. That's what they want you to believe. They wanted you to believe that in 2014, and here we are. In the, you know, in the 2020, the year from hell, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the racial unrest involving police officers and minorities, they, they, want, they want you to continue to believe that lie. White cops rolled up on a black kid who was clearly a young 12-year-old kid with a toy and shot him because he's black. Why do you think the AP has this story written the way they do? Killed by Officer Timothy Loman, who is white, as if that has anything to do with the story. The rest of the third paragraph in the fiction from the AP. The officers were called officers were called to the recreation center after a man drinking beer which by the way this is the very first time that I have read and I have covered this story from stem to stern that I've seen anything about the caller drinking beer because in no way whatsoever did the dispatcher who took the call or did the the audio of the call indicate that he may have been impaired or inebriated in any way whatsoever But because of the revisionist history that they're using here, they have to say maybe the guy was drunk and didn't know what he was talking about. A guy, uh, uh, let's see, a man drinking beer and waiting for a bus called 911 to report a guy that was pointing a gun at people. By the way, that is not, quote, playing with a pellet gun. The caller told a 911 dispatcher that it was probably a juvenile and the gun might be fake, though the information was never relayed to the officers. Now, some are indicating that that indicates a failure of the system because the dispatcher failed to say that it might be fake. News flash. Cop after cop after cop that I have talked to has said that if it, even if that message had gotten through to the officers from the dispatcher, it wouldn't have changed a thing because might be fake also leaves room for it might be real. You think they're going to take a chance? and hope that whatever is pulled out of that waistband is fake, doesn't matter. 
if they feel like there is a potential for for their own lives to be in danger or that of others, they have to. They are duty-bound to act. And as far as it being potentially a juvenile, again, also doesn't matter. Do you know how many juveniles are in Ohio's detention homes right now on charges, including gun specs, gun specifications? (laughs) You would be shocked. Because, yes, juveniles shoot or threaten to shoot people all the time. To bring federal civil rights charges in cases like these, the AP writes, the Justice Department must prove that an officer's actions willfully broke the law rather than being the result of a mistake, negligence, or bad judgment. It has been a consistently tough burden for federal prosecutors to meet across both Democratic and Republican administrations, with the Justice Department declining criminal charges against police officers in other high-profile cases in recent years, including the deaths of Eric Garner in New York City and Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. And there it is. The two poster stories, if you will, for the Black Lives Matter movement, along with Trayvon Martin, also absolutely bogus and ridiculous and being portrayed, rather mischaracterized by the media as being racist in nature, all to continue the demonization of the police and the justification of the Black Lives Matter movement. So congratulations, Associated Press. Congratulations, mainstream media. Nice job of continuing to divide the races over bullcrap stories that can be debunked with a quick purview or, or a review uh, or perusal of the evidence. We reviewed the evidence of the Michael Brown case in 2020. Uh, 20, uh, I'm sorry, Trayvon in 2012, I believe it was. Michael Brown in 2014. Tamir Rice in 2014. Eric Garner. And all of these cases... Just complete fiction in terms of painting police as being racist. Like I said, I know we have a lot going on in 2020. I know we have a lot of problems we have to deal with. And I know there's a lot of news stories we will discuss this morning. But somebody needs to respond to this. Irresponsible doesn't cover it. I was going to say irresponsible journalism. This uh, this abject failure of any journalistic practices whatsoever as they uh, try to gin up anger in the Tamir Rice situation again. All right, that's all I've got on that for now. If you want to talk about it, you may at 216-901-0945. We'll take your calls. And also, as noted, Congressman Bill Johnson at 935, right here on The Authority. Through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Yes, indeed it is. It's 927. Let's uh, get a couple of phone calls in here before the bottom of the hour. We're going to go to Avon Lake. Lois, you are on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Merry Hello, Christmas. Lo- Happy Christmas. New Year. I loved your monologue. Thank you. Merry I'm Christmas calling and happy about new year to the, you as well. Thank you. I'm calling on the 1619 project. I understand okay. it's going into all of the Ohio schools. 
if people um, when they not, get not, their not, not 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 to the level that you just described it's not like it's quote going into all of the ohio schools but what the ohio department of education has done is left it open for the districts to implement that curriculum um it's not being ordered into it what we were hoping and i talked to lisa woods about this yesterday who was one of the board members for the last four years they were hoping that the uh, department of education would specifically or excuse me that the board of education would specifically order districts not to teach that as historical uh, uh, as, as American history, but they did not and they will not, and so therefore some of that stuff is going to be taught in certain schools. Okay, I have a solution for people who don't want to support it. Okay. When you, you get your when you get your tax bill, it breaks down where your money's going, and you'll see that the largest amount is going to the schools. Put that amount in escrow and pay the rest of your taxes. When you put it in escrow, you can't get it back out because it's assigned to the schools, but only if they remove the 1619 project. I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig who tries that, though, uh, because I can automatically you know, see the, the state coming in saying, you didn't pay your taxes. Escrow doesn't count. You needed to pay your taxes to us. Here is a tax or here is a penalty. Uh, here is another charge for lateness and so on and so forth. I get your point. I like your point. I just don't know that I would want to be the first one to try it. Well, I would. I'd try it. Uh, are you going to do that? Are you planning to do that, Lois? I don't know that it's being taught in the Avon Lake schools, but if it is, if it does come in, yeah, I would do that. There it is. There it is. And I'm so glad you said that. Uh, you're talking about your city or local district, um, and that is indeed the question. Is it being taught in your schools? And people need to educate themselves. And I'm, you sound like you are all over this, so I'm sure you will, but people need to contact school administrators. Uh, and ask about curriculum. Contact the history teachers. Contact the board members uh, of your local school boards and find out, is my district teaching this historical fiction to children? Uh, and if so, what do I want to do? And, and, and that's how you have to make up your minds. Because I know we can't just say as a blanket, and thank you for the call, Lois, you know, a blanket statement that, hey, the state of Ohio is forcing school districts to teach the 1619 Project and all of this misinformation. That's not the case. But they have not restricted it either, and that's the problem, and it is going to be used. And it already has been used since that ridiculous New York Times Magazine uh, story came out in 2018. It has already been used in, in schools across the country as the real truth about American history. So find out if it's being taught in your kid's school. Find out if you, even if you don't have kids in school anymore. Find out if it's being taught in the district in which you live. Then make yourself heard, whether it be at a board meeting or, as Lois just said, by withholding tax dollars to the uh, the district. All right. Uh, it's 930. We'll get our news now. Congressman Bill Johnson, next, AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 936, let's continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I see a lot of phone callers on the Tamir Rice uh, story. Six-year-old scab being pulled off of that wound. Uh, and I will take your calls on that, but I do want to get into the current events, including current legislation that was passed by the House that is now sitting in the Senate and being debated over the size of COVID-19 stimulus checks. Joining us to discuss is Congressman Bill Johnson on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? 
Good morning, Bob. Merry Christmas. I uh, hope you had a good one, and happy upcoming New Year. I did indeed, and I wish the very same to you and yours. Thank you, sir. Now, uh, Congressman, you and I have talked on a number of occasions, and hopefully you sure. know the, the, the deep respect that I, that I have for you, and I want you to keep yep. that in mind as we argue, because we're going to argue a little <laughs> bit this morning, okay? okay? And I want you to understand right. it's about policy and not personal. Um, sure. I don't like it. I don't like it even a little bit that Congress passed which, and you which, voted for. Which one? I'll get, I'll get to them. Both of them. Like? Both, both of them, actually, but I'll get to them in order. I'm going to start with the, with the, uh, uh, with the spending bill. Okay. The $900 billion that were supposed to be earmarked for COVID relief, as we know, attached to the omnibus spending bill, and so much of that money being going, uh, being given to foreign countries in the, in the, uh, in, in, uh, foreign aid, and also, of course, a lot of pork and domestic pet projects, the vast majority of them pushed forward by Democrats. But the biggest thing to me, Congressman, I also agreed with the President and you that that number should be 2,000. But a 5,600-page monstrosity that I know neither you nor anybody else in Congress had enough time to read before saying, yeah, I'm good with all of this, um, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I think it should have been, uh, it should have been defeated. Uh, I think the president should have vetoed it uh, because it's just quite simply ridiculous to give that much money away when it's supposed to be earmarked for American families. I'm okay with the $2,000 increase, sir, but I want that to be balanced by, you know, from 600 to 2000 is 1400 For every $1,400 increase to an American worker, I think $1,400 in spending should have been slashed. Um, tell me why you voted for this. Well, uh, first of all, uh, Bob, uh, you and I are closer to the same position on this than you might think, because I, I actually agree with everything that you just said. Well, what's not being made clear in the media, uh, Bob, and I agree with the president that, that it should have been $2,000. That's why I supported the standalone bill earlier this week to make it so. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so, but, but here's the issue. There were two bills that were combined together. One of them was the COVID relief bill. I know what was in that bill because I helped set up the framework. I worked with both Republicans and Democrats uh, across the party lines, uh, the aisle, to get that done. Uh, and and the, the COVID relief bill that we voted on in the House did not have any foreign aid and other expenditures in it. It did not become that until it was combined with the end-of-year spending bill. And, right. Bob, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I, this is what confuses me a little bit. The president's team negotiated that end-of-year spending bill. And, Bob, the money that was in there for foreign aid is money that the president asked for in his presidential budget submission. And, I, you know, that, that confuses me, too, sir. That confuses me yeah, as well. well. That, I mean, I'm the, I'm the biggest Republican supporter in, in Ohio for President Trump. I'm sure you've seen the statistics, and you know that. And so when the president negotiated that bill and he asked us to vote for it, I didn't learn until after it was already voted that he disagreed with it because none of his negotiators, including the Secretary of Treasury, said a word about disagreeing with it. So I, I was caught 
There does seem to be miscommunication between Mnuchin and the president. I agree with that. But after the fact, once we found out, you know, especially when he made his his remarks in the video that they released from the White House, saying, I want this increase from 600 to 2,000, and I want all of that spending, particularly foreign aid, for the most ridiculous of things. And you're right, when you talk about it being combined with the omnibus spending bill. But they are hand in hand here, that we're giving $700 million to Sudan, we're giving... $10 $10 million, you know, the one that makes everybody laugh, is to Pakistan for gender studies, whatever the heck yeah. that means. But, but you know what I mean? We're sitting here going, we're getting just $600. Families that have been suffering and struggling because of lockdowns and business closures and restrictions who have lost so much money over the course of the last 11 months, we're getting 600 bucks. I mean, even the 2000 isn't enough really to give relief to the most needy of, of, of American workers. But but that could be increased if we're not giving billions to foreign countries. I mean, not to say we I, cut I, off our I, friendship with our allies, but you know, America first, right? America first. I absolutely, absolutely. And so the, the question then begs: Why did the president's negotiators and and his team insist that that money be included? Why was that the case? I don't. I don't know. I can't speak for the president. I could absolutely support. Pulling back on financial aid. I mean, this pandemic has devastated Americans. Uh, you yeah. know, my district, where where people are dependent upon their jobs with small businesses, they have been devastated by it. And let me tell you one of the biggest reasons that I voted for that package, uh, even though there were some things in it that I did not like, Bob. The Paycheck Protection Program clock that ran out in August, we've been trying since August to get Nancy Pelosi to turn it back on. And that bill turned it back on. Uh, and it also provided a tax deductibility fix because I, I, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but there's a provision in the tax code that says if you get uh, non-taxable tax-free money from the federal government in normal circumstances, you can't use that tax-free money to, make, uh, to purchase business supplies and pay business expenses that you then turn around and deduct on your taxes. That That's not how the tax code works. But we provided those Paycheck Protection Program loans as revenue replacement to keep these businesses alive. And I felt strongly, as did businesses, especially since we didn't give them any warning that it was going to happen, that that money should have been treated just like it was revenue replacement. And they should have been able, and they should be able, to, uh, to deduct those business expenses from their taxes. Because without that fix that was in that bill, these, these small businesses, let's say you got a $100,000 loan uh, to keep your business alive. Now they're, they were susceptible to have to give thirty to $40,000 of that back in taxes. That's, that's not the 100% forgivable standard that we told the American people it was going to be. And that was one of the biggest reasons that I supported uh, the, the, the bills. I totally get it, understand it, and agree with it. But here's the problem that I think I and so many millions of Americans have with this, is the, this is what Congress always does. They lump things like that that are purely commonsensible positions um, and very defensible and very justifiable with other things that are not, like the, the aforementioned foreign spending. What we, I guess what I want 
And, and you know, you said you worked on the crafting of the $900 billion COVID relief bill. Um, mm-hmm. I want a bill that stands by itself. I don't want that to be coupled with the omnibus spending. I want something that is just $2,000 per American worker. Uh, uh, you know, that we're talking about from 600 to 2000. I want, uh, the, the provision you just made as far as, uh, tax deductibility for business expenses for that, uh, you know, uh, revenue replacement. I want all of the things that are specifically to help the American workers and corporations and companies and small businesses and mom and pop shops that have suffered the most under the COVID. And by the way, I will just disagree with you when you say the pandemic has crushed this country. It's been the response to the pandemic, governmental responses. No, I that I agree with. I, I absolutely yeah. agree with you on that, Bob. That's what I meant. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and this, I knew that's what you meant. I just wanted to clarify it and state it. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I, want, I want a bill that gives relief to all of those people who have suffered from that just to be on its own. Why we attach that to the foreign spending? Why we attach that to the $40 million for the Kennedy Center, which is closed? Why we attach that to all these other projects? Um, that we can't say right now we need to spend this money on. That's where we get frustrated with Congress as a whole, not to you personally, but Congress as a whole. Why can't we say, America, this is what you deserve. This is separate from anything else to keep the government funded. Bob, I absolutely agree with you. See, I told you we weren't far off from our position. I absolutely agree with you. I didn't yeah, but sir, but sir, before you continue, your, your, before me, you continue your response, there, I'm going to have to say this part. Hold on, you agree with me, but you voted for the the the, the joined, you know, omnibus and and COVID relief bill, which which just continues to exacerbate the problem. We need a whole bunch of you to step up and say we're not voting for this. We've got to separate those bills out, like like Bob France said in Cleveland. <laughs> Bob, Bob, the president asked us to combine those bills. What, yeah. what do you want me to do? I still don't do? get that. What do, what do you want me to do? The president's team said, we agree. Let's combine these bills together. By the way, for expediency, right? It's The holidays are here. The end of the year is coming up. I, I put that COVID relief package together as a standalone bill. I voted for that on the floor, Bob. I voted for that on the floor as a standalone bill. You are aware that there were two votes, right? Yes, I do. I didn't I, combine I those and bills. I didn't combine those I bills. I know you did. The president's team and, and congressional leadership combined those for expediency because everybody thought the runway was clear. I, I get House, it. And, Congressman, here's what, I would, here's what I would follow up with, though. You know, the, the original vote on that, those combined bills understood. Got it. You're right. The president, particularly the treasury secretary, put forth all of this. This is what they want to do. Okay. But then the president saw that for whatever reason, changed his mind, made that video statement saying, I'm sending this back to Congress. I don't want to sign it, but I don't want to veto it either. I want you to fix it. I want you to go back and give the people $2,000 and strip out the spending. Then we have the second vote, the one you voted for on Monday, that did increase 600 to 2000 Thank you. That's what we want. That's what he wants, too. Yeah. But the, 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 the stripping out of the, the, the extraneous spending in the omnibus bill was not taken up. That's the one that you guys all voted for as well. So I'm talking about, you're right when you say, well, this is what the president said he wanted. Well, then the president changed his mind later and clarified, I don't want all the spending, and we voted for it again anyway. See what I'm saying? Bob, Bob, he didn't send the bill back. He signed the bill with that, with that uh, foreign aid and all of that additional spending in it. He signed but he, but the he bill. Re- but he redlined it, too, did he not? He redlined no, it. No, he did and- not. 
No, he did not. He can't do that. He can't redline. No, that's not what happened. Okay, the the White House said he was sending a red line. He signed it and redlined it and and using the the, uh, rescissions uh, said, this is what I want to be taken. Now, I know he doesn't have the leverage to tell you guys to do it, but this is what he wanted you to do. No, he we voted on a totally separate bill on uh, uh, Monday, 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 yeah, to add the fourteen hundred dollars. That was it. Standalone, boom. That was it. Add fourteen hundred dollars to the six hundred dollars. That's what we voted on in the House because that's what the president said he required. He Did signed you? both of those other bills, Bob. I, I know he did, and and the, one of the other reasons that the White House has kind of indicated is, well, he didn't have a ton of choices because if he vetoes it, you guys had uh, in the Senate too, uh, you know, enough uh, uh, votes to override any veto on this spending because it's been it's been bipartisan, and I get that. Bob, I don't like it, but I get that. This, the time to fix this was before the bills were ever voted on, and that's Agreed. what frustrates the Dickens out of me because. I was on the telephone during those negotiations, and I heard the words of Secretary Mnuchin. I, I did not hear those words because I was not, but I do know what he, you know, what has been reported that he said. So I agree with you, and I will take you certainly at your word about what he said. Can you explain or understand sure. at all how it is that President Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? And Bernie Sanders and AOC all agree with one another that this should be two thousand dollars <laughs> and not to cut the spending because that this is this is what I don't get. You talk about politics making strange bedfellows. Donald Trump has opposed all of this kind of spending, um, you know, except for what goes to the Americans. And now they're all in the same boat here. And what you're saying and what Secretary Mnuchin illustrated from the president's point of view or from the White House's point of view is we're okay with all of this. I don't understand how that happens. Well, I can tell you that it's, it, 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 the result is what you just described. The president, Schumer, Pelosi, AOC, and the liberal Democrats all agree with the $2,000. But I can tell you it's for very different motivations. Uh, the Democrats and the liberals have their motivation to just spend, 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 spend. Mm-hmm. The president's motivation is the same as Bill Johnson's motivation. We're watching these liberal states shut down their businesses, uh, 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 make it illegal to have indoor and outdoor dining. Businesses are collapsing. Restaurants are closing in the, by the droves. And American people, the American people are losing their jobs and their livelihoods. And that's the president's motivation. I don't believe it's the same motivation. Achieving the same result if we get the $2,000, but... But it's for different yeah. motivations. Unfortunately, so the motivations, right? I agree with you. They are different, but the end result is the same. The expenditures are made. Yes. The foreign aid is given, et cetera, et cetera. Let me, I've only got a couple of minutes left here, but let me ask sure. you this. On your Facebook page, do you write that yourself, or do you have aides work on that with you? Uh, nothing goes on my Facebook page that, that I don't write. 
uh, and or edit. Nothing goes out without my signature. I just want to clarify that before I read your words on it, because I want to ask you about the NDA, the National Defense Authorization Act. So it's the defense sure. bill. Uh, you wrote, as someone who served in the U.S. Air Force for over 26 years, part of which was spent in the U.S. Special Ops Command, I simply disagree with his veto on this important legislation. In addition to boosting pay for troops, NDAA makes critically important investments in areas like deterring Chinese aggression in the Pacific, huge, by the way, advancing several major weapons platforms, and strengthening our cyber security networks agree with all of that but the reason that the president vetoed it as you know is because again congress doing what they do attaching a communications act the communications decency act uh, is section 230 to a defense spending bill um and he says that has got uh to be changed we cannot allow uh, liability protections to big tech now you agree with that i i read your words on here you agree with um uh getting rid of section 230 but right. the president and the, but you know but you don't want to sacrifice the defense spending bill in order to do it the president says we have to get rid of that um can you can you tell me or explain a little further as to why you voted the way you did absolutely i can uh section 230 needs to be addressed i agree 100 percent with the president here's why the ndaa is not the right legislative vehicle the ndaa in its 60th year 59 years up until now, we've never placed our troop salary or our defense resources at risk by not getting the NDAA out by December 31st. It was critical that we did. But even regardless of that, in spite of that, if we had put Section 230 repeal in the NDAA, the NDAA, Bob, is only a one-year authorization. Mm -hmm. It would come back up again. It would expire. It, it doesn't change the law. It just delays the inevitable. And we would be right back at the table again at the end of 2021. And, and, and God forbid, I mean, we haven't even got into that yet. If Joe Biden is sworn in uh, as the uh, 46th president, who knows what he's going to do or want to do with Section 230? So it was it was a legislative process issue, in my view, not the right vehicle for the NDAA. Uh, Mitch McConnell has said over on the Senate side uh, he wants uh, a vote on the two thousand dollars to include a vote on the NDAA and getting rid getting rid of Section two thirty. Do you think this gets done before this Congress ends? Well, he's not he's not talking the NDAA. He's he's combining. Uh, the $2,000 increase or the $1,400 increase up to 2000 with a Section 230 repeal and that's what this, I mean. Bob, a commission, a commission to study uh, the uh, uh, debacle in this last election, including right. constitutional All of those violations. But, but that's what I mean. The Absolutely. Section 230 stripping I, that out of the NDAA is my point. Do you think no, because of that? No, stripping it out of the NDAA. No, no he's not well, getting rid of it. Out of the N- it's getting rid of Section 230. Section 230 repeal is not in the NDAA. That's what the president's objection was. There's nothing in the NDAA Got it. about Got Section it. 230. Got it. But him wanting to get rid of it altogether, and as you said, also yes. study the, study the, uh, the election uh, fiasco, as well as the $1,400 increase. Do you think this will all get done by the end of this Congress, or is it going to be done? Well, I sure as hell hope so. I hope so. I hope Mitch McConnell is, is successful in this. Because all of those things need to be done. The $1,400 increase, the Section 230 addressing it, and uh, the commission 
to look at this uh, election debacle. And that'll have to come back to you guys then if he does that, right? <clears throat> if the Senate passes hey, it? I'll, I'll jump in my car in a heartbeat to go over and vote, vote for that. Well, that's what I wanted to find out. Congressman Bill Johnson, uh, thank you for all of the clarifications. Thank you for the great discussion. I think it's a very uh, you know, sensitive thing right now to get relief to the people who need it without overspending. Uh, and I know that's yeah. tough for you guys to do, so I really appreciate you explaining it all to us. And again, thank you so much for your time and a Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. I told you we weren't all. <laughs> well, I knew we wouldn't be, but I also knew I wouldn't have voted for that. So that's the reason we had to go there. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, Bob. All right. It's All 956. Right, we blew right by our traffic break. So we're going to catch up now and come right back after the top of the hour on AM 1420, The Answer.